Thanks so much for joining us here on the Rivers Church Podcast. We see a church full of passionate people who reach the unchurched with the gospel of Jesus. Our heart is to equip people to love, live, and lead in God's kingdom. We hope you enjoyed today's message and pray that it encourages you to be all that God has destined you to be. If you need anything, please feel free to reach out to us and check us out on our website at riverschurch.co. That's riverschurch.co. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies, but I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill all my vows, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out on the beach. This is the word of the Lord. Isn't that just a happy thought, too? (laughs) Maybe your translation says, vomit. He vomited. Hey, would you join me in prayer right now? Lord, we just pause in this moment here just to say thank you. We can never say thank you enough to you for who you are, for what you continue to do. what I want to do in this moment is um, something a little different. If you're able to do this with me, if you're physically not able, feel free to take one knee or just to have a seat. But man, I just feel like it'd be good for all of us just to take, uh, to get on our knees. If you could just join me on your knees, maybe one knee or just sit in the chair is fine. If you can't, that's fine. And let's, let's pray in this posture right here. Lord, we get in this position outwardly so that inwardly we make it the position of our heart. We humble ourselves before you. God, we want to see you move in power more and more and more. God, we want to see you perform miraculous deeds. We want to see you stretch out your hand, do great and mighty things more and more and more. God, we we just want to see you alive and at work in our life. So we humble ourselves before you, recognizing that you are God and we are not. And that we do need you. We, we don't wanna just sing it in a song, Lord. We wanna declare it right now. We need you. So God, as we go to your word, would you speak to us? Holy Spirit, would you move in and among us? We wanna receive what you have for us today in humility. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. I really believe that that's the posture that God is calling us to in this season of life. If you want to see God move more in your life, you and I need to be in a posture of humility. On our knees, just seeking God and putting Him first in our life, as we're going to talk about here today. Man, Pastor Amy already talked about it. I just want to reiterate the importance of Vision Night. Two weeks from today is Vision Night, 6 o'clock. Love to have you come. We're going to look back. We're going to talk about what was, what is, and where we're going. 
and it's a very important night, so join us. It'd be great to have you here uh, that night, and man, I just look forward that, uh, to serving with people here. Hopefully, you can make it, but I look forward to serving with some people here in Palomino, partnering with Habitat, and um, you know, one of our core values is we love our city. It's a core value of this church. We love our city, and this is a way we can just practically love our city. I pray that love would come out of everything we do, out of our lives, out of the activities of our church, out of the ministries of our church. Jesus said we'd be known by love, and this is a practical way for you and I just to love our city. And so if you can't do it this Saturday, join us next, the following Saturday, but it's just a way for us to love our city. All right, Jonah chapter two, you ready for this? Where did we leave Jonah? Well, we just saw Jonah was left previously on Jonah Lessons from man who ran. Jonah was in the belly of this great sea monster, right? That's where we left him. So chapter one, God speaks to Jonah, this mighty man of God, this prophet, allegedly. And he says, Jonah, go and preach to the city of Nineveh. And so what does Jonah do? Not that. He runs far away in the opposite direction and... He uh, goes to Joppa, gets on a ship, and the storm comes, and, and all the sailors are freaked out, but Jonah's asleep below deck. The captain finds Jonah below deck, and they realize through casting of lots, God uses this moment to show that this storm is Jonah's fault. Now, these sailors, they know storms. They can tell this is not a normal storm. There is something weird and oddly supernatural about this storm. So they know something's going on. That's why they're crying out to God. They had any God they can think of. And they, hey, Jonah, you need to cry out to your God too, okay? And they really, so this is, this is Jonah's fault. You know, there's really two types of storms that you and I will face in life. Storms happen in life. Have you noticed? Two types of storms. One is there's storms of perfection, and the other is storms of correction. So storms of perfection, typically these aren't our fault. They just happen. It's part of life. Life happens. Maybe it's somebody else's fault. Maybe it's just because we live in a fallen and broken world. And so we have tough seasons in life. You go through a storm. But God will use that. If we let him, God will use that to do a work in us, to strengthen our character, to make us more like him, to transform us from the inside out. So it's a storm of, of perfection, or maybe you could call it a storm of purification, God wants to make us stronger through that if we'll let him. Then there's storms of correction. These storms are our fault. And clearly this is the storm Jonah's in, right? This is a storm of correction. And the good news is God uses these storms too, if we let him. But we gotta recognize it's our fault. Like, I got myself here. I gotta stop blaming everybody else around me. I gotta stop blaming mom and dad, grandma and grandpa. No, I got myself here. And this is where Jonah's at, right? This is a storm of correction. And so we want to respond like Jonah did. As Jonah finally calls out to God here in, in chapter two. But I think it's important for us to know that storms happen in life, and even though they do, God loves us. And God will cause or even allow storms in, in your life because he loves you so much. So it's important that no matter why you're in it, that you just look to him and let God use that season of your life to make you stronger. And to grow. So Jonah's in the storm. It's his fault. So he gets thrown into the sea. Storm instantly stops. God 
it says in, in the Bible here, literally, provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. And so this great fish, this great sea monster comes and swallows Jonah alive. Now, typically, in most stories, this is the end of the story, right? That's it, the end, it's over, and Jonah died. Wouldn't that be great, like if it ended right there? What's the moral of Jonah? Don't disobey God or you'll die. Wouldn't that make a great kid's book, huh? Hey, kids, let's read the book of Jonah again. And then the fish swallowed up Jonah and he died. Come on, kids. The lesson is don't disobey God or you're going to die. <laughs> Thankfully, that's not where the story ends because this story is about the grace and the mercy of God. <laughs> so that's why we remember this story too, right? Because this isn't the end of the story, even though typically that would be the end. And so this story shows us God's mercy and his grace is big for Jonah, but for all of us. So let's take a few moments here. We're going to walk through these verses. Jonah chapter 2. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. That would be an uncomfortable place to pray. Talk about a prayer closet. And he said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble. Yep, I would call that great trouble. And he answered me, I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. Hmm. So Jonah realizes, this is likely the end for me. He doesn't know yet what's going to happen, but he feels like this is it. So he says, I'm calling from the land of the dead. I'm about ready to die. You ever had a near-death experience? Anybody ever have one of those? This is Jonah right here. He is clearly having a near-death experience. Keep reading on here, verse three says, you threw me into the ocean depths and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. And then I said, oh Lord, you have driven me from your presence, yet I will look once more towards your holy temple. You know, a lot of people think that the worst thing that could ever happen to them is death. But that's not the worst thing. Oh, we fear death. It's like, that is it. Nothing scares us more than death. But there's something worse than death. Now, the reality is we don't like it, obviously. We don't like death. It wasn't part of God's original plan. Sin brought that in to our experience. Our own sin, our rebellion brought that into our experience. Uh, but... Unless Jesus comes and raptures his church, a lot of us will experience death. But that's not the worst thing that can happen. The worst thing would be you and I end up in this place called hell, separated from the presence of God. That is the worst thing that could ever happen. Because if you don't know the Lord and you're not walking in relationship with him and experiencing his presence right now, this is the closest to heaven you'll ever be. This is the best life or your existence will ever be. And then in death, we're separated from God's presence. Jonah's realizing this. He's like, I'm not ready to die, but there's something worse that could happen to me. I just want the presence. God, I need your presence. He is calling out to the presence of God. He realizes there's a separation that's happening. And so he's talking about the holy temple. What was the holy temple back in the Old Testament? That was the place where the manifest presence of God dwelt. God was there. He's like, I need the presence of God. This is one of the incredible things about you and I being believers in God and followers of Jesus is that we have the presence of God living inside of us. And we can experience his loving, amazing, powerful presence today. 
This is the way Jesus set it up. Those of you that were here Friday night for our encounter, man, we experienced the presence of God in a pretty awesome way. That, I'm telling you guys, that this encounter we had Friday night was one of my most favorite prayer and worship times that I've been a part of in years. It was awesome. Next time we do it, make sure you join us. Uh, this was a great night of just enjoying the presence of God. There was joy here. There was prophecy happening. There was breakthrough. God was breaking things off of people. Uh, people were just getting comforted by the love and the presence of God. It was, it was great. It was awesome. We need the presence of God. That's what we need. And God, this is the incredible thing about saying yes to Jesus is when we say yes to Jesus, his presence literally comes and lives inside of us. God himself lives inside. That's what we need. Because then when we do die, we step fully into his presence. All right? So, hey, keep moving. let's keep moving on here. I don't want to take too long in the beginning part. Uh, verse 5, I sank beneath the waves and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. There's a happy thought. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth whose gates lock shut forever. But you, O Lord my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. So he's saying again, hey, Abana, I'm, I was going to die. But God rescued me. God snatched me from death. You see, the, the story of Jonah shows us that God is a God of second chances. That's what I love about Jonah. He is the God of second chances and third chances and fourth chances and fifth chances. Like He is the God of grace and mercy. It doesn't matter how far or how deep into the depths you and I ever go. God is big enough to pull you and I right out of that and set ourselves, us on him on the rock. He is the God of second chances. Please understand that his grace is bigger than anything you've ever done, ever. And that's the story of Jonah. That's why I love this story. We see God's grace and mercy all over Jonah because he's the God of second chances. You know, Jonah really is a microcosm book of the entire Bible. It's, you read through the Old Testament, and you ever notice, if you've ever read through the Old Testament, Time after time after time after time, and God's people are like, God, we love you, we worship you. Then they rebel against God, they do their own thing. Bad things happen. God, please forgive us, we need you, we love you, worship you. And God restores them, and then they rebel against God, and bad things happen. God, sorry, forgive us. You know, it's like over and over and over and over. You see it in Jonah. He rebels against God, he's in the belly of the fish. He, God, I need you. And God's grace and mercy is there uh, for him. Aren't you thankful for that? I know I am, and this story really is the story of the Bible right here in Jonah. And as I was reading this this week, I thought to myself, like, Jonah, why didn't you cry out to God sooner? He could have done it way before this moment, you realize. Like, that, those days you were traveling all the way down to that city of Joppa, like, you could have at any moment just thought, you know, I probably shouldn't go this direction, God hasn't told me to do this. He's called me to go to Nineveh. When you were buying the ticket to board the ship, Jonah, maybe you should have said, like, you could save some money right now and repent and go back. Or when you got on the ship, as you're walking down the dock onto the ship, when the storm comes, you know, all these moments he could have cried out to God. And he waits till this fish swallows him, which, you know, you think about, okay, that is really, that is a good time. Like, when you get to that place, yes, definitely call on God, but 
He could have done it a whole lot sooner, right? Why? Why did Jonah do that? And I think maybe the more important question for us is, why do we run from God's call on our life? Why do we do the same thing, you and I? Because like Pastor John Mark said last week, remember Jonah is the story of us. It's the story of God's people uh, and the story of us for all time. Why do we run from God's call in our life? Did you know that you have a call on your life? Did you know that? God's got a calling on your life. That's pretty incredible to think about. Like the God who holds the universe in his hands, who spoke the stars and the galaxies into existence, who spoke to Jonah, who has spoke to men and women throughout the centuries, he wants to speak to you. He's got a calling on your life. And that's good news, friends. He's got a calling for everybody. It's important for us to find out what that is, right? What does God call me to do? What I love about God's call in our life is it's really twofold. It's an inward call and an outward call. It's, it's both. God calls you inwardly into relationship with him. He just wants you to know him, to walk in relationship with him. He wants you to enjoy life with him. That's God's calling on your life. Did you know that? Maybe you thought it was about a bunch of rules and you gotta do this and you can't do this. No, no, God just is calling you to him. That's his call on your life, to know him, to be in relationship with him. And then there's an outward call, it's ascending. It's coming to me and get to know me and I'm sending you out to be a messenger of hope to the world. So it's an inward call and it's an outward call. So God's plan or God's call for your life really is this, it's to know him and make him known. That's simply God's call on your life. Did you know that? Know him and make him known. Now more on that later. We'll keep talking about that, but let's look at verse seven. Chapter two, verse seven. Jonah continues his prayer here. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord, and my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. There it is again. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies. So you can see Jonah here, he's recognizing what he's done in his life. He's been running from God. He's finally calling out to God here. And really what he was doing was he, was, he himself was going after false gods. He's like, anybody who does this, it's going to end up bad. You're going to miss out on all that God has for you. And really he's speaking of himself. This is his prayer. Like, okay, I was going after false gods in uh, in my life. And uh, this can happen for all of us. We can all go after false gods in our life. Again, because this is a story of us. See, essentially what causes you and I to live life our way and miss out on what God has for us is idols. Maybe that's what your Bible says, idols. New Living says false gods. It's idols in our life. What are idols? They're anything that we, that we put in our life above God. That's what an idol is. It's a false god. Now, here's the interesting thing. You and I, we were all created to worship. Did you know that? You were created, born to worship, but you and I can only worship one thing. You can only put one thing on the throne of your heart. Now, sometimes we move things, we replace that with one thing, but just one thing. And whatever we place on the throne of our heart, that's really gonna determine the course of our life. 
It's gonna determine how we live. I love what Pastor John Mark said last week. And by the way, if you missed last week's message, do yourself a favor and go back and listen to it online. You need to hear that message. It is a great setup to today. But he said this. He said, decisions determine destiny. I love that. Our decisions determine our destiny in life. And here's what I would say. Our idols determine our decisions. What you and I worship dictates the decisions that I make in my life that determine the destiny that I experience. So what am I placing on the throne of my heart? Who or what am I worshiping? That's, that's got to be like a daily, regular question for us. Because the truth is, you and I are worshiping something. We are worshiping someone. What is it? Is it money? Is it success? Because oftentimes we'll go after that. We think, if I could just make this much money, if I could achieve this and be successful, then I'll be good. Then I'll be there. Then I'll be fine. And life will be good. And we just go after money. You know, Jesus spoke about that. that he knew that would be a big thing for our heart. And uh, not that money's bad, but it does make a bad God. Because money, uh, it, it just has, it's, Everything that we put in place of God is a false God. It is what, what we spoke in prayer time. It is, what was the word that you, you prayed, John Mark? Uh, Pastor John Mark said it's, uh, um, it just falls way short. I don't even remember if you remember the word. But it's a false God. It's a counterfeit. All these things we put on, on the throne of our heart that aren't God, they're counterfeits. And money is a counterfeit. And so Jesus knew that money's not bad, but the love of money is, the worship of money is, the worship of all that. It could be popularity, fame. It could be our kids and our family. We can put that first and worship our kids or worship our family. It's possible. And what, mean, what that means is then everything I do in life is dictated and determined by my kids and their schedule or my family and all what's best for us and what we want to do. And, and instead of putting God first and asking God, how do you want our family to live? We just determine how we're going to live and put our family first and say, okay, God, just come along for the ride with us. Uh, it could be um, our career, our job. Sometimes that becomes the God of our life. We pursue that. We worship that. And that determines all the decisions that we make that determine our destiny. All of those really come down to this. We worship ourselves. We put ourselves on the throne of our heart, Right? So if it's not Jesus on the throne of our heart, then it's easy to answer the question, why do we run from God's call in our life? Why? Because he's not the one that we're listening to. He's not the one that we're pursuing. He's not the one that we are living for. So Jonah ran from God's call in his life for the same reason we do. What happens is there's this core belief inside of us that if we're not careful, can rise up and can, can really determine how we live our life. This core belief is this. We believe our plans for our life are better than God's plans for our life. And if we're honest with ourselves, we go there sometimes. We believe our plans are better than God's plans. Isn't this why Jonah's running away? God says, go and preach to Nineveh. He's like, no, I don't want him. That doesn't sound fun. I don't even like those people. <laughs> like Jonah is like this selfish, 
racist person against the Ninevites who's scared of them. And, and on top of all of that, he, he even knows what God will do if he goes, which is just sad and kind of hilarious all the same. Like, look at this. Like, if you jump ahead, just sneak peek chapter four, verse two. And Jonah says this after he goes and preaches finally. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That's why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry, filled with unfailing love. That's who you are. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. I knew you'd do this. That's why I didn't want to go. Like, seriously? What kind of guy is this? Jonah, you got issues. But here's the deal. He didn't want to do it because that wasn't a part of his plan for his life. Jonah had different plans for his life than God did. See, we come to this place often where we believe our plans for our life are better than God's plans for our life. And this is a belief that we all have to deal with at some point or another. And sometimes, several times throughout our life. Like, what can happen is we can even trust God with our salvation. Like, I step into that relationship with you, God. I, I, I believe what you did for me, Jesus, on the cross. It was my sin. Forgive me. I commit to following you, and I trust him for salvation, but then I push some other areas of my life aside. I don't trust him with those areas, though. Don't touch those areas, God. I got good plans for those areas of my life. I know how to handle these areas of my life. You just take care of my salvation and make sure I get to heaven. Is basically what we're saying, Right? Isn't it amazing how we can trust him with some areas, but not others? And what this is all connected to is this false narrative of what freedom is. Freedom, what is freedom? Now, we all want freedom, don't we? We all want it. We love to be free. We long for freedom, but there's really two freedoms, two types or two definitions of freedom in life. Freedom for some people is me doing what I feel like doing and deserve to be doing. That's freedom. I get to do what I want to do and what I deserve to do. What are you doing today uh, after church? What are you doing after service today, the Sunday afternoon and evening? I don't know, whatever I want to, because I can. That's freedom right there, like whatever I feel like doing. I'll probably go sit down on the couch and then I'll figure it out, <laughs> right? We can convince ourselves that that's what freedom is, but maybe there's another definition of freedom. This freedom is me giving up my life for Jesus and following him wherever he leads me. It doesn't sound like freedom, but here's the crazy thing. It is. It doesn't make sense to our fleshly nature. It's one of those paradoxes in the kingdom of God. Jesus says, you lose your life for me, that's how you find your life. You really want to find your life? We all do. Lose your life for me, and then you'll find your life. So how do we find freedom? How do we walk in freedom? It's giving up my life for Jesus and following him wherever he leads. So those are two definitions of freedom right there. One of them leads to bondage. The other one leads to freedom. One of them leads to death. The other one leads to life. It's really going to be determined upon which freedom are we going to allow to dictate our life. So we can see what Jonah thought, right? Jonah thought freedom's me run. I'm going to run away from this. I'm running from God. I'm going to outrun God. I'm going to do my own thing. Instead, he just found out that it only made him a slave. 
It led to death. He found himself being tossed back and forth, stormy sea, getting swallowed up by a big fish. And uh, man, that storm came because God sent it. And Jonah recognized that, right? And, and it came to save everybody from Jonah, including Jonah. Because Jonah needed to be rescued from himself because he was living pretty selfish. He thought he was running from God, and he thought that that would make him free. It just led him to be a slave, not free. Now, Proverbs says this several times, says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. That's what we do. This seems right, it feels right, but it doesn't lead to life. It leads to death. That's why we got to come to Jesus and trust him. Submitting ourselves to Jesus and his ways is the way that you and I find freedom. This is why Jesus said, hey, the thief comes. This is his purpose. Steal, kill, and destroy. But this is why I've come, that you might have life and have it to the full. I want you to experience the life that you long for. It's kind of like this. You know, as parents, we train our kids when they're little on how to live life. And so like, you know, the typical four-year-old thinks that they should have cookies and cake and Kool-Aid for dinner every night, right? Hey, and why should I have cookies and cake and Kool-Aid for dinner? Because I want to. It sounds good. And so as parents, being the loving parents that we are, like, no, you can't have that for every meal. You can have that maybe as a snack. Let's separate that out. We want to eat good, healthy food. And they're like, why? You're so mean. You're so, you're cruel that you would force me to eat that. Like, seriously, that's how kids act, right? They think we are mean parents because we eat, make them make decisions that are actually good for them because they don't understand it. Why would you make me take a bath? You're so evil. I don't like baths. And we're evil parents because we make them do something that's good for them. You're dirty. You stink, okay? You got to take a bath. Yeah, I got to train you to grow up and know this is a good thing. Taking baths and showers is a part of life. You'll thank me later. And so kids have this perspective, right? They're like, you don't know what's best for me. I know what's best for me, right? They're like, nah, yeah, okay. So if only you knew. You have to trust me on this. I'll let you be mad at me because you'll figure it out someday. But we know better than them, right? And so often that happens with, with us and God. Like, God, why? What? God, come on. How can you be so cruel? And God's like, hey, if you just trust me. If you just trust me through this. I know it may not make sense. You may not understand everything. But if you trust me, I do know what's best for you. I can help you through this. I can walk with you through this. I know this storm is not your fault but I'm gonna do great work in you if you let me. Oh, I know you, this storm is your fault. You need to learn some lessons here because I love you. Would you just trust me? You see, this is the thing. God, he created all of this, created the universe, uh, and everything exists because he's spoken into existence all the laws of the universe, the laws of nature, the laws of science. He put it all together. He knows what is best for us. And it's looking to him, it's following him, it's trusting him, it's following his ways. But what's really, what, what was best for us is him. That's what he wants to give us is himself. That's all he wants is you and I to trust him, to look to him and enjoy him. He's like, I, it's not really about do this, do this, do this. It's about just come to me and, and trust me and just walk with me through life. God wants to give you himself. So your calling on your life is to know him and make him known. To know him, 
to enjoy relationship with him and make him known. And as we get to know him, we get to grow in learning who he is, what he's like. We, we learn to hear his voice speaking to us. You know that God wants to speak to you. Did you know that? He longs to speak to you. He'll speak to you in so many ways, sometimes through his word. You're reading his word and God just speaks directly to you. It can happen in moments like this where God uses somebody else and, and, and it wasn't just something I said or someone else said. It was just really God using that to speak to you because you needed to hear that. So often it's that still small voice, the spirit just speaking to us inside. This is why we gotta push away the distractions, slow down our life so that we can hear God and hear him speaking to us. God wants to speak to you. He wants you to hear his voice. He wants you to follow the calling that he has on your life. And here's what I've learned is that when God speaks to us, it's not always going to be comfortable or easy. That's what we're waiting for though, right? That's why Jonah ran. That doesn't sound fun. That doesn't sound very comfortable. I don't even like those people. No, I'm not gonna do it. When God calls us, when he speaks to us, it's not always comfortable or easy. That's the part of the story that we learn from this man who ran. Okay? We think that life is all about the pursuit of happiness. You know, we live, God bless America. We got this great country that we live in, right? And it's all about the pursuit of happiness, but you, know, you, don't, you won't find the pursuit of happiness in Scripture. It's not actually biblical, but it, we, we are after the pursuit of God and going after him, and happy things will happen in life, but... But bad things will happen in life and you won't feel happy. But in the midst of that, as you know God, he can fill you with joy, which is way bigger than circumstances. Because happiness is just circumstantial. But joy is far above any circumstance in our life. And God has that for you no matter what you go through. So following Jesus won't always be comfortable. That's what I've learned. Won't always be comfortable. But God's more concerned about our calling than our comfort. That's what I've learned. And I've learned this over and over and over again in my life. Uh, you know, probably the biggest example for me, most clearest example, goes way back to uh, I was 18 years old. I was getting ready to graduate from high school. And I, in this season, man, I loved God. I was always at church. I was always looking for ways just to grow in my relationship with God. Uh, I loved going to Bible studies. And I was at a church service. It was a Sunday night. I was down at the altar, and I was just praying. I was seeking God. And again, remember, this is the season where I'm just getting ready to graduate from high school. I'm not sure what I'm going to do with my life, but I had some plans. And in this moment, the guy who spoke that day, he stopped everything, and he said, hey, I think God's speaking to somebody right now. He says, God's calling someone to be a pastor in this room right now. Whoever that is, I just want you to raise your hand because I want to pray for you. I'm telling you, the moment he said that, my heart was like, and I'm like, no, 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 God, no. Like, and I, I began a wrestling match in that moment. You ever been there? I'm like, God, that, no, you got the wrong person. You do, you do not know who you're talking to. <laughs> and I'm just going back and forth. God, that doesn't even sound fun. I don't. I don't want to be a pastor. God, come on. Like you, you're, Surely you're talking about somebody else here. I'm wrestling with God, and I, I didn't raise my hand. I didn't do anything. 
About 10, 15 minutes later, the guy's like, okay, this is crazy, but I feel like God's speaking to somebody here tonight. He's calling someone to be a pastor. Whoever that is, come on, just raise your hand. I want to pray for you. And instantly again, I'm like, God, no. What are you doing? And I wrestled with God, and I did exactly what Jonah did. I said, no, not me. I'm not doing it. And I walked out of church, and I left that night, and I didn't respond. That poor guy is probably thinking, man, did I hear from God? But he did. He was obedient. I was not. Which is a lesson for us. Sometimes you step out in obedience, and the response doesn't dictate if you were right or wrong. You just were obedient. It's all about obedience, right? I'm just going to trust God and leave it up to him. That guy was right. I met him years later, and I told him about this story. (laughs) And he's like, yeah, I remember that season of my life. I was just stepping out, and God was using me with words like that. It probably crushed me, I'm sure, but I got over it. He didn't really remember that moment, but he remembered that season. (laughs) And uh, thankfully, we serve a God of second chances. It wasn't years for me. That's happened. I've heard that story for people throughout the years, but it was a few months for me, and I'm on a missions trip. I had decided to go on a missions trip, which I think was ordained by God because he knew I need to get a hold of this Tyrone kid because he's stubborn and he will not listen to me. And I'm in a, a circle. We're praying. We're getting ready to go out and do ministry. And I mean, remember, guys, again, I love God. I loved him. I I wanted to serve God with my whole life. I just didn't want to be a pastor. I'm like, God, I don't know. And we're praying again. And in that moment, it was that still small voice. So I'm just praying. My heart's opened up to God. And he says, he's got this sense from God. Tyrone, I've called you to be a pastor. I'm like, again, God. And I knew it wasn't me, guys. Again, that's the farthest thing from my mind. Doesn't sound fun. I don't want to do that, God. I started wrestling with God again in that moment, but it didn't last long that time. I said, okay, God, I don't know if you know what you're doing here, (laughs) but, you know, it's funny because we can laugh years later, but in this moment, this is real. This is profound. This is a big moment for me. If that's what you've called me to do, God, I'm not sure how I'm going to do it. I don't even know what that means, what that looks like. I don't even know if I'll be good at it. But I'll do it. And I went home from that trip and told my family and I told the church I sense that God's called me to do this. And it's amazing how each step of the way, as I took just steps of like, okay, I'll try this. My youth pastor says, hey, why don't you try teaching some middle schoolers in Sunday school? And I bored a bunch of middle schoolers for an entire year in a Sunday school closet. I was horrible. I was horrible, but thankfully they liked me. But still, it was like every step God was showing me, this is what I've called you to do. It's been quite the journey. And again, there's been many different types of things like that through my life. That was a big one for me because I started running from God. But I'm so thankful he's a God of second chances. Aren't you? Maybe you need a second chance or a third chance or a fourth chance today. God's grace is here to meet you today. And he wants to restore you. He's got a calling on your life. Today's a day that I would encourage you to say yes. This is my message today. 
Let's just say yes to Jesus, okay? Whatever he speaks to you, just say, I'm gonna say yes to Jesus. That's the message. Say yes. This is one of the big lessons we can learn from Jonah, right? Just say yes to Jesus. And what that means is, basically I'm saying, God, I'll obey you in everything in my life. I'm gonna trust you with every area of my life. First, for some of you, that means recognizing that Jesus did die on the cross for you, for your sins, and he rose from the dead. And it's just stepping into that relationship with him. That's where, that's where it's going to start for some of us, just saying yes to Jesus. And then for all of us, it's saying yes to this call that he has on our life, this mission to know him, to make him known, to go out and live on this mission that Jesus has given us. It's saying yes to that. And I think that's an important thing for you and I to say yes to. Because we live in a day and age where too many Christians are not saying yes to the Great Commission. The Great Commission has become the Great Omission, and we want to fulfill the Great Commission out of this church. We just want to do the best that we can. The Great Commission that Jesus gave us, Matthew 28, Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. He's sending you and I out. It's not about you and I just knowing God and being blessed by God and receiving blessings from him. And it's all about what God gives to me. It's about me going out into the world and making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that he's taught us. Then Jesus says, and I will be with you everywhere you go to the very end of the age. Jesus promises to be with us. How? Through his Spirit. He is with us. And I just love that phrase. Okay, we're called to go and make disciples. This is how we say it here at Rivers Church. We're going to love people, live like Jesus, and lead others to him. But I love that phrase, teaching them to obey. This is a big part of it. We want to be people who love Jesus so much, we're just walking in obedience to him. Because it's out of that relationship, out of knowing him, that we're just going to want to walk in obedience, right? And it's hard to teach other people to obey if we're not obeying, right? What do they say? That you teach what you know, but you reproduce who you are. And maybe that's why in the church we're reproducing a lot of people who don't share their faith, who don't go and make disciples, who make disciples, because it starts with people like me. And I want to do this journey with you. I'm going to model this for you. I'm going to walk in obedience with you. But there's this calling on our church, guys. To see more people know him and make him known. Do you know some people in your life that need to know Jesus? That need to know and experience his presence? Can you think of a few people? <laughs> Man, the reason why we would do this, again, it comes back to that freedom thing, right? As we walk in freedom and walk, or, or walk in obedience to Jesus, it brings freedom for our life. We get to experience his freedom. And so that's why I want to walk in obedience, to experience his freedom. That's why I want other people to walk in obedience so they can experience his freedom as well. And so the calling on our life, on our church is this, that we would know him and make him known. And both of these really are the joy of our life. It's the joy and privilege of our life. What a joy and privilege to know him, right? To know the God of the universe intimately, personally, to know him and to make him known. What a joy and a privilege that is. And I think making him known really just flows out of knowing him. So as a church, we just want to do the best we can at making him known. That's what we want to do. So I want you to grab the three by five card. There's those little cards, those blank cards on every row. 
and there may not be enough in every row. You can reach to the row in front of you or behind you. I'd love for everybody to have a card. Looks like this. If you're at home right now, go grab a piece of paper, something to write on, whatever. Get this card and grab a pen, and I want you to, we're gonna do a little exercise right here as we bring this time to an end. This is what I want us to do. Right at the top of that, you're calling in life. Know him and make him known. Let's go ahead and write that. Know him and make him known at the top. And then here's what I'd love to do right below that is I'd love for you to list five people that live near around us, around you here, that you get to see on maybe a semi-regular basis. Five people that need to know God. Who are those five people? I'll just begin to do that even right now, okay? Who are those names, those people? I forgot my pen up here to fill mine out. Take a few moments. Who are those people that you need to, thank you, sir, need to know? Here's what I'd like you to do is I want you to take this home and put it somewhere you're going to see it all the time. Maybe your bathroom mirror, maybe your car, and make this your prayer list. If you're not a believer yet, you're still exploring who he is, then feel free just to make this like a, hey, there's some people that could come and have fun hanging out with these people at Rivers Church. Feel free to do that. But make this a prayer list. And here's what I want you to do. Pray for these people. Look for opportunities to talk with these people. Share your faith with these people. And at the very least, the very, 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 very least, here's what we're going to do. We're going to invite these five people to Easter. To join us for Easter Sunday. Easter's four weeks from today. Did you know that? Four weeks. That's why we're starting to gather candy and eggs and all that kind of stuff. So in four weeks from today is Easter. I want you to begin to pray for those people that you're going to invite to Easter. Now, God may use you before then. But hey, at the very, very least, this is what you're going to pray, 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 and invite them. Wouldn't it be awesome if they came on Easter Sunday and they hear a message about Jesus has the power to bring dead things to life? And they go from spiritual death to spiritual life in Jesus. Wouldn't that be amazing? They begin knowing him on, on Easter Sunday. So we're going to pray for these people. Okay, guys, take it home. Begin to pray. This is who you're going to be inviting. And this is a part of this calling that we have collectively to know him, not just know him, but to make him known. It's the joy and privilege of our life. We can do this individually, but we get to do it together. That's pretty cool. So we're going to sing a song here. The worship team is going to lead us in. And we're just going to thank Jesus for who he is and what he's done in our life. Just like we're going to do on, on, on Easter Sunday, which by the way, I just, Easter Sunday is such a fun Sunday. 
as we celebrate what Jesus did, you know, his life and his, his death and his resurrection. And again, Jonah is a microcosm of the whole Bible and Jesus pointed back to Jonah. Pastor John Mark talked about that. Jesus said, just as Jonah was in the belly of the fish, the sea monster for three days, so I'm gonna go and I'm gonna be swallowed up by death and sin for three days, but I'm gonna rise again. That's a great picture of what sin does to us. Did you know that? It just swallows us up. It destroys us. It's death. That's why I want to encourage you. If you had never put your trust in Jesus, do it today. Say yes to Jesus today. So, hey, why don't we go ahead and stand to our feet? Thanks again for listening to this message at Rivers Church. We'd love to have you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. To learn more about what's going on in the life of our church community, check us out at riverschurch.co. I pray that this week you would walk in the power and the presence of God. Thanks for joining us.